Hello and welcome back to Politex, the podcast for tech, gaming, and politics all classed together in one place. This is the episode for January 14th, 2018. Uh, this past week we've seen CES happening, um, which is going to kick off our tech portion here at the beginning of our episode. Here, the first things, one of the first things I noticed was the Vive Pro came out, or didn't come out, it was announced by Valve, the makers of so many wonderful games, and the HTC Vive, I guess. They, eh, Valve doesn't make it, HTC makes it, but it runs Steam VR, which is owned by Valve. And the Vive Pro is going to be a new um, HMD, which is a head-mounted display, I believe. And it's going to basically, I think, come in the kind of the same package that the old Vive came in. I don't think it is replacing the new Vive, however, but it is most likely going to cost more than the old Vive did when it it released and what it does now. The Vive currently sits at $600. I bought one for myself a little while ago. It's actually sitting on the desk desk next to me here. And it is a very capable VR equipment headset and VR device in general. Um, the Vive Pro comes with a 78% increase in res- resolution, bumping it up to 2880 by 1600, and which is going to be a big thing. I mean, in the Vi- in the original Vive, the screen door effect isn't that big; like it's really hard to notice unless you actually like try and focus on the lenses themselves that are like really close to you. And increasing the resolution that much will basically, I feel like, eliminate the screen dooring that you see at all. And that'll be a good thing. That'll keep you more immersed in the game that you're playing, which is always a wonderful thing. They're also announcing a. They also announced a wireless adapter for it. So kind of like the um, oh, TP Cast is what it is. Um, it kind of sits on your headset and then it casts. And this uses um, Intel's Ygig tech and open and uses a 60 hertz band. I believe it's either 60 hertz or 60 gigahertz. I'm pretty sure it's hertz. Um, hertz band for low lag so this is basically going to like be an open band that I think might be 60 gigahertz now I'm thinking about it but um basically like your Wi-Fi uses like 2.4 gigahertz and 5 gigahertz for your Wi-Fi connection and if you live like in a high density area there's a lot of traffic on those channels and that'll slow down the speeds because it has to go through the interference and doing this will get rid of all the interference in the channel which makes it lag free almost which will therefore decrease the ability for you to get motion sick while playing the Vive because that is a, one thing that that's how you get motion sick when you do VR is you'll turn your head right and then it'll take a second to respond to that turn to the right and that's what gets you motion sick is when you're moving and then it catches up to you. Um, if I remember rightly reading, I don't know if this for sure, I saw a tweet that referenced, I think it's either 100 and, I think it's 110 degree field of view which is, I'm pretty sure, which is wider than what this one, I think it's like 90 maybe for the current Vive, I'm not too sure on that one. Um, they're putting in built-in headphones, so you'll actually just have like head a headset that like clips on. It's kind of like what the um, audio strap is now, except they've kind of redesigned how the fitting is for the um, headset itself, which is good. The head- lack of headphones is kind of... I don't know if I like it or not yet, because the normal Vive... Um, has a little like 3.5 jack that comes out that you just plug your own headphones into and then you just listen to it and it comes with some short ones so you don't have to like have a headphone cable dangling or whatever or you can get like the deluxe audio strap which plugs into that and then it has like actual like over ear headphones that like are built into the strap they've redone the current Vive to the Vive Pro so now it has headphones that, like clip onto the sides 
and they've like redone the fitting so it's not like velcro anymore i'm pretty sure it's like little dials that you turn that loosen and tighten it which is good which is really nice because the new five it's it's kind of hard to get that right fit so where you get the sweet spot in the lenses that's a very hard thing to do it happens eventually and then you kind of adjust it if you like pass it around and stuff like that for different people um the prosa will support four base stations now so instead of the two that come with like a normal five I don't know if it'll come with four out of the box or not. I'm assuming it'll just come with two out of the box and you have to get the extra two later. Um, comes with It can support four base stations in a play area of 10 meters square. Currently, I think the maximum play area is five meters across. It's like five meters square. And the 10 meter thing will add like a whole new element to like room scale VR. I feel like we might start seeing um, escape rooms like this. So you'll just basically be in a 10 by 10 room. And then you'll have certain items placed certain places that line up with what it is in VR. And then you'll basically use the VR for the escape room and look for clues that way. That I, that I can see happening. There is a game like that that uses like real world things. It's something plank, like you walk a plank basically in like at really high altitudes. And you use a, like a 2x4 that you have, or it's either 2x4 or 2x6, either way. And you lay it on your floor. And I think it's like five feet you can like change how long your two by four is and stuff like that so it fits the game and you basically you walk on that and then it gives you the feeling that you're actually on the plank that's in the game and then when you fall off of it you actually think like you're gonna fall a distance but you just fall like the inch and a half that a two by four is so that's the, that i can see something happening with the bigger play area that'll be nice i won't be able to utilize that big play area personally <laughs> but it will be nice to see what people are doing with the 10 by 10 play area when it does do its thing um, another thing from C there is no price release yet or a release date for the Vive Pro out yet. I would guess that it's probably going to cost. Um, with the deluxe audio strap being a hundred and the H normal Vive being this much, I would say I would put this in the realm of probably seven to eight hundred dollars, is what I would guess. That's if they don't include four base stations. If they include four base stations, I'd put that at the thousand dollar price point. If they do, oh, and the Vive Pro also comes with two front facing cameras as well instead of the one, so you can actually like. Instead of being like a 2D view, it can be like an actual 3D view of kind of what you're seeing in real life. Because you can do that with Vive, you can push a button and then it pulls up what, you, what you're what you looking at in real life. So that'll be a nice little addition to have. Um, Razer announced a laptop shell. Um, they're not really announced, it's a prototype. It's something that they might that they might finalize and make into a product and something they might not. It uses the Razer phone for a trackpad, so what you do is you insert your phone into like where your trackpad is on a laptop it's basically kind of like a little hollowed out hole and then it has a display in it and then it uses your phone's processing power to you have a bigger display so basically it's just a bigger display for your phone so you can do productivity related things with your phone's processor um has a 1080p display apparently the main screen is a touch screen for the the shell um it runs android off the phone and it uses the phone's built-in speakers so the Razer phone has like front face, two front-facing speakers, so you will get stereo front-facing audio from the trackpad. Um, extended battery in the laptop as well, so they're going to put a built-in battery in the laptop, kind of like a portable battery that you have that you just kind of carry around in your backpack or whatever. They'll have that there. Um, it's a full 10 keyless keyboard, so you have basically your whole QWERTY layout, function keys 1 through 9 or 1 through 0, I guess, control, function, arrow keys, stuff like that. You're just lacking the number pad on the right side as most laptops do unless you have a 17 inch laptop which is i think where the um 10 like the full 100 and 
108 key. I think it's 108. Layout start. It's either 108 or 118, I think. I'm not sure. But um, the laptop case itself comes with a Type A USB port, a Type C, and a one point a 3.5 millimeter headphone jack is what it comes with. And inside for audio listening, no price set on it yet, as it is a prototype, and they don't know if they're going to make it yet. If they do, it will be interesting to see something like that around. Because they kind of, I don't know if, what, how it would affect. Because like, depending on the price point, it might beat a laptop, or it might be just as good as a laptop, or it might be worse as a laptop playing Razer's pricing. Uh, another thing I like to add, Sony or at CES was Sony's ultra short third projector. This is about the coolest piece of tech I saw at CES that I really liked. That, like something I hadn't like seen before. Even though I know short third projectors have been around for a while, this one just like blew my mind. Basically, what it is is it's a box. Prop. I don't know what the specs are. It's probably about a foot and a half by a foot deep, and then probably six or so inches tall. I would say it's a it's a decent sized box. And basically, what it is is instead of a projector sitting on a mount and then shooting it across the room to it to a wall, this will sit at the base of the wall and then project the image up onto the wall. So you could have this like on a TV stand and then have the picture on the wall without having to mount it in the back of the room or anything like that, which makes it really nice if you have kind of a smaller room and you don't want to try and, and you want the biggest image possible, but you don't want to have to have a really deep room or anything like that, which is nice. Um, this is capable of putting a 4K resolution picture onto a wall at up to 120 inches. This is insane to me. 128 inches across in diagonal, like you measure a normal TV, 120 inches. And at a 4K resolution, that just boggles my mind. Now, granted, you'll have to have like the wall kind of specialized for it, and you'll have to have a big enough wall and a flat wall that doesn't have any texturing on it, and you'll probably want a black border around it so it doesn't like light. The light doesn't like blend into your wall and stuff like that. But it would be really cool to just see something like that, like just in action. Um, the estimate estimated cost is around thirty thousand dollars, <laughs> which is Fair enough. I won't be getting one anytime soon uh, in the spring when it's released, so this will be for the upper echelon of people, of course. And the distance between the projector itself and the start of the bottom of the picture is 9.6 inches, if you needed to know that, if you're going to buy one in the spring when they come out. Um, 9.6 inches, basically, from the top of the projector to the bottom of the picture. So the very like bottom row of pixels that it projects up onto your wall. I don't know how it does keystoning or anything like that. I feel like that would be really hard to figure out, to, like the technology behind it, but I'm sure it works. The, from the pictures I saw, it looked wonderful, and the picture quality was brilliant. You just have to have that specialized wall, I, I'm assuming, for it to look more perfecto. Um, something that happened this week was, um, or I guess last week was the major Intel chip kind of thing. Um, Intel's releasing patches for all of the Intel chips that have been affected in the coming days if they aren't already out now. Uh, they're patching the last five years of chips to kind of mitigate against the Meltdown Spectre malware from reading the kernel data that's in your CPU. That's basically like kind of your computer's passwords. It stores uh, valuable data in there and stuff like that because you're not supposed to be able to access it except the computer. So that's going to be patched in the coming days if it hasn't already been patched. Uh, I would wait to see what kind of speed decrease you're looking at first before patching it because if you're kind of a safe computer browser you don't really need to worry about it that much if you're not going to sketchy sites and stuff and it, I would wait and see what kind of speed decrease you're gonna 
get from it because that's what they're doing. They're going to take out like the predictive thing that makes your CPU faster. They're going to take out like, the predictive reasoning that like goes into your CPU saying, oh, if you open this, odds are he's going to open this next. So we'll go ahead and queue that task up and get it ready for him because he's most likely going to click that. And they, it just does that. That's how they boost your CPU speed a lot. And that's what they're going to just delete because that's how they access the kernel data is in, during that predictive thinking. That's when they get into the kernel data. I would just wait until this, they release kind of a speed decrease chart and see kind of what speed you're expecting to lose. If you're not expecting to lose like a ton of speed, just I would just go ahead and update it just for the safety. But other than that, I probably wouldn't. If you're a safe computer user, if you kind of if you browse around a lot of internet, the weird internet, I would just go ahead and get it anyway. Um, okay, uh, major companies are. That's kind of the end of that. There's not really that much. Um, Oh, the um, C the Intel CPU guy, um, the CEO got accused of kind of insider trading. I guess would be the word for that. Even though it's probably not right, I want to use it with, like it. And basically, he sold off a lot of shares right before they announced publicly that the there was a security flaw in their chips, and that whenever you announce something like that, it'll cause your stock to just plummet because no one wants to kind of it could be like kind of a downturn of the company and stuff like that. So no one holds on to their shares very often. And he sold off like the maximum amount of shares that he could for Intel. And apparently it was a scheduled um, sell, which happens sometimes, which is basically where you set up a monthly like sale plan of how many sh of shares. If you get paid in shares, for example, you'll say like, oh, I want to keep three of them, but I'm going to sell the other two that I get into the market. And that's something else entirely. But... We don't know. It, we probably won't ever know. There probably won't even be an investigation launched into it, if I were to guess. So, and Intel has no confirmed cases of chip data being accessed by a foreign program, but they're going to go ahead and roll off these updates anyway. So, up to you if you update. I probably wouldn't until you see a chart of speed decreases and increase speed decreases or reasons for you to patch it in the first place. So, after that, we will move into the kind of the bridge into politics here. Um, companies are suing the FCC over net neutrality. Companies are include but are not limited to Facebook, Twitter, Google, Netflix, Microsoft, and Amazon. These companies are planning to launch a lawsuit against the FCC's repeal of net neutrality. I don't know how that will go. Um, we'll probably see in the coming weeks how it goes, and we will go from there and see if there's any kind of precedent to be set or if we're just kind of out in la-la land until we get past the 2018 election and the Senate repeals what Ajit Pai did. So after that, we will go ahead and go down to the politics section of our podcast here. So around the 15-minute mark, we're going to go ahead and enter politics. So this will probably end up being around a 45-minute podcast or so if you didn't already look. Okay, the Donald calls countries that immigrated to America shitholes. This is the big, big news story this week. Um, Donald, in a fit of rage, while some lawmakers were trying to discuss um, Im immigration in America and the protections for people that are coming into America and all that kind of stuff, he said, uh, where is my quote here? Here's the quote. Why are we having all these people from shithole countries come here? End quote. Um, this is something that's been in the kind of the news. Fox News has kind of just kind of slid it under the table. They haven't really even discussed it. CNN kind of milked it for what it was that day, and then it's kind of just disappeared for some reason. I don't understand why this has disappeared, because odds are if a president said, call another country a shithole, before this presidency, that probably would have been the end of the presidency. 
and he probably would have just been removed or forced out of office with a resignation. And this isn't getting enough coverage, personally, I feel like. I mean, saying that is... <laughs> that's a little tedious right there, um, in general. And then the fact he was referencing um, countries like Haiti, Dominican Republic, um, El Salvador, stuff like that, people that were immigrating to America from kind of Central and South, South America, up into America. Um, basically, he wants to keep this place white only, which is kind of odd considering that... Like, America was founded upon immigration from shithole countries, like Ireland, went to trash, people came here, that's where a lot of the population came from in the early days, it was there and Britain, um, kind of people wanting to get away from the shithole country that they were in, and, I don't know, this doesn't sit well, um, then he stated we need to bring more people from Nor countries like Norway, except Norway, like, he's like, yeah, because he met with Norway's, um, Prime Minister or whomever it is, the person at the top of Norway, came over and visited. This is, I don't know. He wants more people like Norway, and Norway is basically the ideology that it, the U.S. is not. Norway basically enacted all the things that the right of government said. Yeah, no, this will tear the country apart. This will kill the country. This will kill the economy, um, which is kind of funny. He kind of he wants to bring socialism to America, and he doesn't know it. Uh, Asian immigration, he said he was open to because they he said they help um, the U.S. economically, which is kind of a stereotype. Not all Asians are going to do the same as other Asians, and that's kind of I think he was kind of thanking the math and science Asians more so than just the general Asian population. Um, I don't know if he like thought they'd bring their factories over here or whatever Donald was thinking, but either way. Um, he singled out Haiti as well, saying they must be left out of any kind of immigration deal, which again is not something that we need to be doing. Basically, we're just building a wall around ourselves and kind of becoming isolationist rather than kind of staying open like we usually do. Um, some Republicans raised question. Mia Love, whose family is from Haiti, Utah, um, from Haiti, she's a representative from Utah, not Haiti, Utah, and said his remarks were unkind, divisive and elitist, also saying this is unacceptable from the leader of the U.S., and I completely agree with that statement. There is nothing There's nothing wrong with that statement at all. Um, that Donald's just being a dumbass, like usual. Uh, leader of the free world, yeah, basically shouldn't be saying stuff like this at all. Uh, it's, it's a very bad precedent and a very bad look outlook for people that are looking in at the U.S., and it's just, and it's even a bad for people in the U.S. looking out that kind of, if you're traveling anywhere, I'm terribly sorry if you go, oh, I'm from America. Oh, you're from Donald Trump land. Yeah, I'm sorry if you're doing that, um, if you're getting that treatment. And if I was anybody in the administration, I would hate to be attached at this point, honestly. I would not want to be even close to touching this administration right now. Even with like a 10-foot pole, I would not want to be within that distance of the administration or being connected to this administration at all, to be quite honest. This administration is just kind of a massive pile of trash. Um, a lot of countries, on, yeah, I mentioned that point, that a lot of America was kind of basically founded on shithole countries immigrating to America, and this doesn't make sense at all. Um, Donald canceled his UK visit and US embassy opening. This is basically, we were set to open, we bought, we sold our property, um, our old US embassy property in 2008, which was kind of in the central of London, 
and we sold it because it was due to like a security concern. We thought like the something was it, wrong with the security in there, and that could have been a flaw. So we sold that off in 2008 at the end of the Bush presidency and the Obama presidency, and all of that funded um, the new one that we just built, and it's kind of like off, outside of London a little bit, and. Donald didn't want to go because he was disappointed at the lack of bells and whistles and not getting to meet the Queen. Donald. England isn't fucking Six Flags. <laughs> Got it? It's not like, oh, hey, it's that character from the thing I like. From the movie, I want to go get a picture with her. Yeah, it's kind of, England didn't like that. I hate to say it, Donald, but sorry. Uh, he's, he was always set. He's tweeted he was mad Obama sold the best spot in London off to whomever bought it. And the fact is, Obama didn't sell it. Bush sold it. And it was kind of a, an agreed-upon thing by both parties. It was a bipartisan agreement to get rid of that property because of security concerns. So they just had a new one built. And Secretary of State Rex Tillerson will be going instead of Donald. And I really think Donald wasn't so much mad about not getting to see the Queen and the Bells and Whistles. I think he was mad about not going... No one likes him there, and he wasn't going to be in the headlines except if he was mentioned negatively. So I think that was kind of his reasoning more so than not getting to meet the Queen and stuff like that. Um, Trump Mueller investigation is still going on. And uh, earlier this week, it was an NBC News article uh, said that Donald's team of lawyers are trying to figure out as much as possible about the possible Mueller interview Mueller interview, or even avoid it. This is basically an article that went into um, one of Donald's kind of cabinet members, I guess, or somebody that, or a PR person that um, came back with, um, per se, he wanted, he found out that the people that were arguing for Donald were going to try and figure out what was in the interview. So, what kind of interview it was going to be, what kind of questions were going to be asked, etc. And this is kind of, eh, it's not something that should be done. They were trying to also compromise and see if he could give a written statement to questions. That were like, so basically they'd send him a question, he'd reply in an essay. Then they'd send him another question, he'd reply in an essay. So it would be basically them sending a statement, his lawyer replying in a statement and sending it back. It's not an actual interview of Donald, it's what they want Donald to say to avoid anything. And this is something that shouldn't be done. He sh he's the President of the United States. He should be able to conduct himself in a professional manner in a setting like this as to prove his innocence because if he's not done anything, there shouldn't be really that big of an issue. If he's done some small stuff, I don't think it'll even be that big of a question. It won't be really raised because it'll be a private interview conducted in private. No news people know anything like that. What will be released will be what they deem necessary to be released. And... Donald, he said about the investigation was because honestly it's very very bad for our country it's making our country look foolish and this is a country that I don't want looking foolish and it's not going to look foolish as long as I'm here well hate to break it to you Donald it already does honestly um, people, you're, you're that kid that's like oh they're laughing with me no Donald they're laughing at you not with you at the investigation they're laughing at you because you're the center of the investigation and you're the leader of the United States and it makes us look terrible because we're investigating our own president for so long and he's trying to avoid it as much as possible, which makes him seem more guilty than innocent, to be quite honest. If you're like watching a cop show and somebody's like, oh yeah, I don't want to go for an interview, I don't want to do that, it kind of puts a nice little square on their back, a little target. And that's kind of what you're doing right now. Um, another thing that's kind of been 
released in the kind of sciencey department of the um, news that fits into politics as well, because the government is trying to push NASA back to the moon. Um, NASA has been working on the Mars mission for the past X amount of years, and every president goes through and says, "Yeah, NASA, do this instead. Do this instead. Do this instead." And the Donald's cabinet has decided that they want to go back to the moon, which is kind of useless. This is going to basically throw millions into the trash of R&D that has gone into Mars-related technology. They haven't started building anything for Mars specifically yet, but they have started doing research and development on technology that would be going, that would push them to Mars. So better, efficient, more efficient things and stuff like that. Um, so right now they could still go to the moon with the technology, with the stuff they already have there. It could just be a moon mission, but they really are opposed to this. Um, there's basically because there's no reason to go back. We've put everything up there. We have short, we have uh, mirrors up there to reflect um, laser beams that shoot up there, so we can distance how far the moon is from us. Um, there's all kinds of stuff left up there, and there's nothing else we need to go back and get. We have samples. We have stuff like that. And if we want more samples, we could just rover it up there and then go back instead of actually wasting a man, a manned mission to go there. Um, every president basically, yeah, wants NASA to go wherever they want. Um, Scott Kelly, man, who's on the ISS International Space Station for a year, wants a president to just let NASA do its own thing and see what it can do. Which he said that that's a quote from him, not a direct quote, but that is the gist of what he said. And this is a good point that he brings up. This is the best way to let any science branch kind of achieve things, not by saying, not by somebody who doesn't isn't in the field saying, yeah, go focus on this. That's not the best way to do this. The best way is to kind of let them decide how far they need to go into the tech and then let them come back out, let them go to another branch, let them go to another branch, and let them figure it out how they want to do it. Because odds are, if they discover something in one branch that they, could, they, that they think they could use, then they would go for that, and then they would use it in the next one. And there's no point in telling them to go to, like, if they think there's something in the left side that will help them get through the right side quicker, there's no point in a president going, no, that doesn't know it, saying, yeah, go down the right side first, just brute force it, whatever. But that left side, that tool that's in the left, could have been beneficial in speeding up the right and just made it faster overall. That's kind of what, what gets me about that. There's no point in telling them to do something that, like, and the government doesn't fund NASA enough anyway. To be quite honest, they just kind of cut the funding or leave it stagnant, and they don't increase the funding like they do with every other branch, basically. Um, Scott Hubbard, former director of NASA Ames Research Center, said, please don't push the reset button again because you're just going to waste billions of dollars on previous investment. And that's what I mentioned earlier. Basically, if you just kind of say, yeah, go back to the moon like we did in 69, like, you're just wasting a lot of research that we've done into going to Mars and the stuff that we've done in Mars with the Mars ro Curiosity rover and stuff like that. Um, the long-term plan for NASA at, uh, before this announcement came out was to send and return an orbit to Mars. So basically send something out, orbit Mars a couple times, and then come back to Earth. And then after that, they would send another manned mission out that would go to Mars, come back into orbit, and then come back. Like that. And this only happened if NASA isn't forced to redirect their focus, basically. They wanted to go there in 2030. 2030s is when they planned to have people on the moon. And this might be about beat, beat out by SpaceX. Um... Nothing. It's said that nothing has specifically been made for Mars yet, but specialized equipment is kind of coming in now. They've basically done all the stuff that they could use for a moon mission. Now they're getting ready to have to either decide, are we going moon mission or are we going Mars? Is what they're going to have to decide like in the coming months. 
and that will be a scary decision because I would like to go to Mars. That is kind of where our next step is, not back to the moon. Another thing, Donald files, fires back at the courts. The courts have been blocked, uh, have blocked a reversal of the current DACA, Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals status that protects some 800,000 children and to um, immigrants that don't have their papers ready. Um, basically, he got mad because they didn't sign into an agreement the new DACA, or the like, repeal of that, you know, like District Court 9 or whatever. And those previously covered and DACA will be able to still reapply, but no new applications are being accepted, yada, yada, yada. Um, lame duck, duck GOP. Um, that's not necessarily lame duck, but um, GOPs have the potential to seek re-election are opting out for um, House seats and Senate seats. And, um, many people are, some people are just resigning entirely and retiring. Um, or not resigning, I guess, but not announcing a candidacy for the next thing the next election year and some people are running for a higher office 31 members are not seeking re-election 19 are retiring 20 or 19 of those are retiring 12 of those are running for a higher office these numbers may have changed because last time i checked it was like friday and it's been a couple days since then um daryl is from california was the latest to join this as of the 10th of the month join the list and this is kind of giving just kind of a lot of people that are running for re-election are probably rather salty and mad at the GOPs that are not running again because this kind of throws their majority in the trash, which is not something they wanted to do in the first place. And Donald's approval is shot down, so I'm assuming basically no one wants to be attached to this presidency. And Don, like, they would have very slim margins, even in like kind of even in red states that are like 60, 40 or so. The the shift to the left will be probably enough that a DNC member would win it, which is. We'll see how it goes. It's going to be an interesting candidate. It's going to be an interesting race, honestly, for the 2018 election. Um, two House reps from my state of Indiana, Luke Messer and Todd Rokita, um, plan to run for Senate both against each other and against the incumbent, Joe Donnelly, um, who won the oh, six years ago, the so 2012 election of Donnelly. It was a very close one. Um, so we'll see how this goes and see if he wins again because I know he's got some bad PR behind him early in his election. I don't know how he's been doing recently, but he seems to be doing okay. It'll be close, though, because we have Todd Young, who is GOP right now, and Senate, who was elected two years ago, I believe, in 2014, I think. Or no, 2016, I mean. So I think he was elected then, so he has another four years ahead of him. Um, Let's see here. And NPR, 24 seats are needed to flip the um, from the House um, from GOP control to the Democratic control, um, which the average uh, midterm election for a president, generally since World War II, the average will lose 28 seats to the opposing party. So Donald being a GOP will most likely lose around 28 seats to the DNC on average, which will be a good thing to kind of balance it out so it's not just GOP-led government at this point. We need opposition so we can check some balances check and balance each other um proposed plans to 529 plans um 529 plan is a college savings account that accrues interest over time tax-free um so basically what you do is you put money in and it'll just kind of gather interest over 18 years so your kid has money to go to college with and pay for tuition many states like my own give tax breaks when contributions are made to a plan i think for indiana it was like if you put five thousand dollars in, you get another thousand on top of it 
or a thousand dollar tax break or whatever to be used for it. And this is used to cut down on the debt that is kind of a uh, tax or the debt that's a the law, the debt that comes up when you um, take out loans, which is a rather substantial thing. And it's used to encourage people to save for a large expense that is tertiary education, which is a good thing to do. The proposal now is um, by um, Ted Cruz was to allow the 529 plan to be used for private um, K through 12 education, which is not good at all. And there's a larger populace of K twelve K through twelve people than there are people that are going for college education, and putting this here would defeat the point of a five twenty nine plan because what's the point if you don't collect any interest at all really, if you put in say five hundred dollars, and then you take out the money a month later, to pay for your kid or like a year later to pay for the next year for your kids K through twelve or whatever reason, and giving tax breaks to that is not a good thing. Because states often plan their kind of what what they're gonna expect in taxes each year after year. So they're like, okay, we had this much in breaks last year. We had this many people file for these things, and we give them a break. So we'll probably expect to get this much in taxes, so we can kind of aim the budget for this kind of thing. And if you're gonna have a large shift in that unexpectedly, that will throw a state's budget off entirely and very quickly and that is not good at all especially when you under if you go over the budget that's fine like if you give them too much money and they have money to work with at the end but this would be giving breaks and that would be a reduction in state income which would not be a good thing because then you're going to be having to do budget cuts which would not be a wonderful thing because they would probably cut stuff that does not need to be cut and it's already been cut already and this would that's not a good plan either way. It basically would be just sending money into a bank and getting it out tax-free because you can pay for it through. It's tax-free to put in and it's tax-free to take out. So basically you say, paycheck, I want this much to go into this account, and they put it in tax-free, and it comes back out tax-free as well. So basically all people will be doing is sending their paycheck out there and then taking it out a month later and just redirecting tax-free payments, which is not a good thing at all. You have to take taxes to do stuff to get payments for other things such as Medicare, Medicaid, your Social Security, and stuff like that. So uh, that ends the politics section here of our podcast, and we're going to go into gaming here. AGDQ has been going on for the past uh, week about, and I'm not quite sure how many uh, dollars they've raised so far, so I'm going to check that right now by hopping on the live stream and seeing how much they have raised or actually it's over already so let me look here AGDQ let's see how much they raised this year um so it ended um this morning at like three in the morning I do believe let me check the Twitter games done quick Twitter And this is base um, comes out to um, basically give, uh, AGDQ gives money to the Prevent Cancer Foundation. Um, they take donations. They do speed runs to um, give back to the community, and it's a way to raise money. They do it for seven days out of the week, or they do it for seven days, twenty-four hours a day, and for one week. And they just basically speed run games. So you play a game as fast as you can. You see lots of games there, lots of games you haven't seen before, and stuff like that. 
Uh, here's the number. The final total, including Twitch subscriptions and bits, comes out to $2,261,823.19. And that's a new record for AGDQ, according to this tweet, which is a wonderful thing. All that money goes directly to the Prevent Cancer Foundation, which helps um, stop cancer. It goes into cancer research, early detection, and stuff like that. So lots of games are speedrun. Um, I go back and watch some of the ones that I missed and stuff like that. It's a wonderful thing, and I encourage you to watch SGDQ um, in 2018. And the dates for SGDQ are June 24th through the 1st of July. And that's going to be another thing like this. It goes to a different charity. I forget which charity it goes to, but it does go to charity. All the money donated goes to charity here at ADDQ. Lots of people attend, and it's a wonderful thing for you guys to watch. It's very entertaining for if you like any kind of gaming. To see your favorite childhood games kind of beat within minutes. They did a Crash Bandicoot 3 run that I liked. And it was like an hour and some change to get to basically beat the game. And no, it actually it was less than that. It was less than an hour. And it, it's a game I spent hours and hours and hours and days on trying to beat. And I just see somebody beat it in 30 minutes or whatever. And it's a wonderful thing to see that. And it's I'm glad it's going to a good cause. Um, something else that came out in gaming was the Civ 5 Super Intelligence mod. This is a mod developed by the University of Cambridge, and it adds intelligent AI to the game's tech tree in the late game. So basically, they kind of recommend you start modern era, and kind just so you get to see it if you want it. And this is a mod that basically adds AI to the game and allows you to kind of allow the AI to kind of do your work, I guess, is how it would be. And it has the ability, if you let the, like the AI start developing the tech, it's on its own and it starts developing itself even farther, you can actually just die in the game and let an AIL kind of take over your, um, I guess, settlements and your nation, which would be an interesting thing to try, try. I haven't tried it yet. I might download it and try it here later and see if I like it or not. Um, another major thing in gaming was the Rainbow Six Siege Jaeger glitch. This glitch allowed um, Jaeger to deploy a shield on the top half of his body, similar to kind of Blackbeard. So you'd have basically, he had Blackbeard has a little, like, glass shield over his um, gun so you can't really shoot through it you have to break it and basically it would allow Jaeger to put a, his actual like deployable shield that you sit behind the big metal one it would put it on the top half of his body so if, you were if your lower half was behind a like solid base it wasn't able to be shot through you could just shoot people they couldn't kill you because the opponent would see the shield but you would not see it so you could, you could shoot normally and the opponent couldn't shoot back at you so it was almost impossible to kill Jaeger at this time. Um, they plan to roll out a patch very soon if it hasn't already been patched at this point. So that's kind of what the week of, I guess this would be the end of the week. So the week of January 14th, the previous week before that. That's what that has looked like for the past seven days. And lots of news has happened in the past seven days. Hopefully we get to have a lot another wonderful news week in the coming week here. So that is all for me from Eldon here in Indiana. Thank you for listening to Politics, and I hope to see you again next week. Thanks for listening.